Hello and welcome to the Hoosier football tailgate here on the Believe Network. I am the coach Shannon Griffith and thank you for joining me here on this Monday evening after a weekend of disappointment from the Indiana Hoosiers football game against Maryland. They dropped 41 to 17 and to say that uh, things in Bloomington right now aren't all happy and joyful would probably be an understatement as we have seen a couple games now where the Hoosiers overall have been unproductive offensively and a couple of times on the defensive side of the ball, blowing coverages and giving up the big play. But we'll dive in that into that here in a second. Just remember that Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering information, up to the minute stat, news, matchup, breakdowns, uh, spreads as well as ever-changing uh, betting lines bet online is where the game starts and back to our beloved Hoosiers and some of the things that have happened here over the last 48 hours we're going to get in here into here in a little bit kind of want to go back uh, and, and just talk a little bit about this Maryland game and and uh, kind of wrap that up and then we can dive into what's happened here over the last 24 hours when it uh, pertains to Indiana football, but uh, losing at Maryland uh, disappointment, uh, disappointment in the way the Hoosiers played uh, from an executional standpoint, uh, the first play of the game, giving up a big play that uh, resulted in the ensuing touchdown a couple plays later. Uh, but that was due to a blown coverage something that we've kind of seen here over the last couple of weeks. It's kind of crept back into the into the uh, overall production aspect for the for the Hoosier defense, something that we had not seen here the, the first couple of weeks of the season. But since the Akron game, we're starting to see that. Uh, we talked about Maryland and their explosiveness and what Indiana's defense really needed to do uh, to uh, – you know, not totally stop Maryland, but it had to do some things to give themselves a chance on the defensive side of the ball. Never came to fruition. They gave up like 400 and uh, uh, let's see, four uh, 472 yards, 352 yards through the air to, to Oliva with 24 of 34 on the day. Um, now, they only had 120 yards rushing, uh, which overall was pretty decent for Indiana. But the big plays that they surrendered uh, to uh, Maryland ultimately became a big issue as the day went on. Uh, Felton was their number one receiver, as was Jones. Both had 134 and 121 yards, respectively. One uh, Felton had three touchdowns. He had a long of 46. Felt, uh, Jones had a long of 52. On the day, uh, Hamby, the running back, had a 54 yards, and Littleton had 52. Uh, Tualia only had 14 yards of offense on that day. But if you think back to the Thursday where I kind of did the uh, uh, game expectations as it 
uh, pertain to Indiana's uh, game against Maryland. Uh, they really failed to achieve any of those uh, objectives or goals that I kind of outlined, one of them being holding Maryland under their average for the season uh, at that point and uh, big play, eliminating big plays and things of that matter. Now, this wasn't not a defensive issue as it pertained to just being them. Offensively, we saw the same thing that we have seen pretty much all season, a running game that really lacked any continuity and a passing game that was hit or miss at times. First game, I felt that Taven was really uncomfortable, didn't seem to have that, uh, uh, I don't know, energy as it pertained to being confident within the offense. Uh, And you could see. Indiana really lacked the juice that they had. They just didn't have no juice about them. Uh, Sideline demeanor wasn't good. Body language wasn't good. And that was a result of what was uh, transpiring in front of them on the field. I know in Coach Allen's post-game comments, he had said to something to the effect that he saw some uh, situations where execution wasn't there and um, it wasn't necessarily the play that was being called. It was the execution by the 11 guys on the field. I understand that, I, you know, and sometimes that's the initial reaction from a field level, and you can't really put your finger on it till you get to watch the game overall. But uh, Indiana just right now is... Uh, not playing very good football and it's as simple as that it's a black and white scenario they're not playing well enough to win games and right now when winning is very difficult anyways they're not in a situation where they're coming close here uh of late and it pertains to the maryland game the akron game they found a way to win they had the resiliency to win but when you went back and broke it down and really looked at it they were outplayed in certain parts of that ball game and akron really uh dominated uh them on that night when you looked at it from the black and white of it. But after that game, you can tell that there was some uh, underlying issues that had to be cleared up and it happened on Sunday. And, uh, and that was the firing of Walt Bell, the offensive coordinator. Now I don't wish anybody to lose their job um, in any format as, uh, but in college football, ultimately the bottom line is productivity and you're just, it just wasn't a productive offense under Walt Bell. Um, Now, when the hire was made a couple years ago, I questioned the hire in the sense that I'm not quite sure uh, Walt was um, necessarily the right fit for Indiana, but that's an opinion. It's because it, I don't know Coach Bell. I know his resume. I know he's been some places where they've had some good offenses, but when you looked at his offensive coordinator experience, it was nothing that you would overly highlight as a uh, juggernaut of an offense. And then, of course, he went to UMass in an area where that school is a very tough place to win no matter who's there. And he didn't do very well there in the win and loss column. I think he only won two games. But um, neither said or here. He made the hire. And uh, unfortunately, it just didn't work out. It just didn't work out in the sense that it would it, it didn't result in him bringing anything to the table 
offensively that made Indiana a better offense. And uh, take a look at a few things uh, here as I switch over to uh, some of the stuff that I kind of uh you know, wrote down, you know, kind of what we got with uh, Walt Bell's offense. When you look at it from the standpoint of last year, productivity-wise, he was they were tenth overall in offensive production, only averaging 23 points a game, 110 yards rushing, and 217 passing. Not a uh, a standard of offense that you need in the Big Ten. Um, and it's quite evident that there was a repeat, essentially, this season of last season. Right now, the Hoosiers rank 13 in overall offensive production, averaging about 21 points, 20 points a game, 110 yards rushing, 225 yards, 224 yards passing on the year. And you can just see there was no uh, <clears throat> step forward in the offensive productivity uh, standpoint uh, this season. Again, I understand that you got a young quarterback room. You got Taven and, and, and Sorsby have never started games. They got their first starts this year. Taven's had a couple more starts. They're redshirt freshmen, and it just never uh, uh, fit, um, especially Taven's uh, abilities, in my opinion. Uh, what Walt was trying to accomplish with him as the quarterback. Um, and I think that's reflective also in the output that the Hoosiers were getting. Now, the last two years, uh, Coach Allen has fired an offensive staff member. Yet yeah, last year, it was uh, Coach Hiller, the offensive line coach that had been with uh, Tom from the start at IU. Um he came under some fire last year. Coach Hiller did in the productivity of the offensive line. They let him go, brought Coach Bobstead in from Wisconsin, who has a storied background in offensive line play and doing some things that that were accomplished at Wisconsin. And then, of course, bring, then of course bringing in Coach Bell and now firing him. So you fired two offensive coaches over the last couple of years, including a coordinator. And you're not seeing any uh, elevation of the offensive play. From my perspective, when you see some of the similar things over and over and over again, um, you have to start questioning uh, whether or not you have the personnel, especially at the offensive line position, to be a competitive deep offensive line in the Big Ten. And I think those are some things that are going to have to be answered as this season goes forward and looked at whether or not you're not developing them in the weight room in the offseason to get them ready to be uh, a high-caliber offensive lineman, or it's just the fact that you're not recruiting well enough at the offensive line position. Those are some things that they're going to have to answer from a productivity standpoint as you go forward, because it may not be the fact that you're bringing in a coach uh, offensive uh, coordinator, so to speak, and not seeing some of the productivity rise when doing that. Um, sometimes you also have to evaluate personnel and your recruiting of said personnel. Uh, but 
<clears throat> from the skill position standpoint, I do believe the Hoosiers have some abil- uh, capable uh, bodies on the offensive side of the ball that can make some plays. And I think it comes down to what can you do offensively that <clears throat> is going to make a difference in getting uh, the offense moving. Now, um, we talked a little bit last week as well. If a change was made, would it be him relieving him of his play calling duties and being the coordinator and handing it off to one of the other staff uh, members within the offensive staff room? We talked about Coach Johnson and his resume and some other guys that had been uh, a couple of places, had been coordinators. Um and uh, Coach Allen uh, didn't feel that was the right direction to go. He made the change of firing Coach Bell and um, elevating uh, Rod Carey to that position as offensive coordinator. We're going to jump into Coach Carey's background here in a second, but I think one thing that People need to understand when you make a change of this caliber, you're not going to bring somebody from the outside in to uh, change things completely up and do their own thing and change uh, what you had already installed and put in through uh, the the camp months uh, back in August and, and actually last spring. What uh, needs to happen here is continuity in that arena in terms of how you call plays, the 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 numbering system or the verbiage and some of those things that need to carry for, forward. And that's where Coach Carey comes into the equation, having been there for the last couple of years. And remember, he substituted as the old line coach in an interim fashion uh, uh, when Coach Hiller was uh, was fired. And um, he took over in that spot for the last few games of the year before uh, heading back to his position as a offensive quality control coach. And uh, we'll kind of talk about how he became that in the Hoosier program and his background here uh, currently. So, again, Walt Bell out as the offensive coordinator after five games in the 2023 season. And you can see there just overall it is a full lack of productivity as an offense. Turning to what we know about Coach Carey, um, he joined the staff, I believe, in 22, 21-22 season as an offensive quality control coach, interim coach for Coach Hiller uh, after the firing of Coach Hiller, former coach at Northern Illinois, where he had uh, two MAC championship titles, an overall record of 52-30. and 30. I believe in six seasons, he led them to five different bowl games. His first season was actually the Orange Bowl. And if you remember as well, he was there coaching Jordan Lynch, who was the outstanding quarterback that I believe was in a Heisman finalist uh, or that year. And Jordan Lynch was the quarterback that could do it all, both running and passing. And he displayed that under Rod Carey at Northern Illinois. And Northern Illinois, let me say this, is a, a, a place that has evolved over the years and has become a pretty good football uh, power within the Mac, Mid-American Conference uh, there. Um, and Coach Carey was a big part of elevating that program to a, a more national known program. Uh, when he was there, they had a couple of years where they were outstanding. 
and it reflected in their in their productivity as being MAC champs twice and as well as heading to five bowl games. That's no small feat in the Mid-American Conference. He then uh, took the Temple job uh, in 2019, won his first year at eight and five, went to a bowl game, but the next couple of years after that, he ended up finishing there at 12 and 20. Temple is a very, very, very hard job. And most uh, the time, uh, really good coaches go there and kill their career. Uh, because Temple is one of those schools you better win in your first couple of years and get out. It's not a place you're going to go and spend a lot of time at because it's a very difficult school to win at, um, as uh, been seen over the last few years. That's not to say that there hasn't been people that have gone there and had success because there has been, but when you look at it from an overall perspective, it's not a great job at the Division One level. And uh, that's how he ended up at Indiana in this offensive quality control uh, position, uh, getting paid a minimum salary that is being supplemented by Temple. Um, now, that may have a big factor in why uh, Coach Allen decided not to put the interim tag on Coach Carey and um, named him a just the coordinator outright and not choosing to wait till the end of the year and to reevaluate and to look at opportunities outside of the program. Um, Speculation-wise, that's the only reason I could think of why he would not have looked at him as an interim OC. And see and seeing how uh, it went, but at the same time, when you look at it, uh, they've gone through some coaches here the last couple of years, and this may provide them more continuity if you're looking into not only this year and next year, and this also gives them a chance uh, and their kids to have familiarity with who is the OC as Rod has been around it. He's been associating with those kids over the last couple of years, and um, he has a good feel of their personnel as an offensive staff and you know, the other thing is he said he has sat at the end of the table in what I call the king's chair uh, after running a program. So there will be some continuity there with Coach Allen and, uh, you know, knowing what to expect, when to expect it as it pertains to what he needs to do as the offensive coordinator. The other thing is, um, what can we expect from this type of offense looking ahead with Rod Carey at the helm? I think the biggest thing that you're going to see is a running game centered around the offensive inside zone, power running game, and then potentially miss it, mixing in outside zone concepts. Personally, I am not an outside zone type of coach. When I was coaching, I believed you had to be downhill in your running attack, utilizing zone blocking schemes as well as power blocking schemes, and then devising plays off of those two plays, three plays, to uh, have some imagination with it uh, and what you did and how you did it. Uh, but those were the building blocks for your run game, and then you built upon them, uh, running them different ways 
these different formations and things of that nature. I think with Turner and Henderson as running backs, I think that gives you that what you need. And that's not to say that Lucas can't be involved in that type of scenario as a running back. But to me, he's more of an inside slot receiver where you can figure out ways to involve him in your run game. Outside zone concepts. Now, Indiana was trying to utilize a lot of different option concepts in, in, in their attack with Taven. Personally, I don't feel that's Taven. Um, I think Taven, remember, he committed to Tennessee, who was a uh, spread, no huddle, quarterback-centered offense, meaning running the ball as well. I think he can be involved in that concept of a no huddle uh, spread attack utilizing uh, his skills not just throwing the football but also potentially running it uh, as well and I do believe Soresby as the backup quarterback can fit into that scenario too and then you got to think as well uh, maybe Dexter Williams is gonna is gotten healthy enough too where does he fit potentially in the scenario moving forward but you're going to see that with in, in terms of a run game, a more downhill, uh, knock it, knock it up in there, and uh, find your tough yardage uh, with those concepts, and find something you can hang your hat on. Then in the passing game, I look for them to utilize more quick passing game with play action concepts as well, trying to get the ball in and out of the hands of the quarterback. But most importantly, there. Uh, not having to think too much when it comes to the passing game, being more uh, simplistic in that and don't be too com complex in that in your passing uh, passing game. Uh, that makes the quarterback have to think too much. And I think sometimes it looked as if uh, Taven really wasn't comfortable in the passing game too much. I think he has to have a more defined concept of the passing game before you start building upon that and um the drop back passing game can be in you can have it but it's not something that i think you can you know put all your money and stock into it so in the quick and play action concepts you've got to have boots naked boots you got to have the the play action you know hard play action where they put it up and try to throw it over the top with those type of routes combination routes and then in the drop back passing game utilizing it for f what i call full field routes or what some people may call progressional reads routes where you have a progression one two three and you get the rid of the ball you don't have too much of of um an over sophisticated drop back passing game. It's got to be simplistic where he can get the ball in and out of his hands because the offensive line isn't going to pass block uh, where they're holding a seven second pocket. Um, they've got to, you've, so you've got to help them out in the passing game, getting the ball in and out of the quarterback's hands. And then, of course, concepts that help the O line in the run game and passing game. And that goes back to being a team that is is known for inside zone power run games play action type passes as well as quick uh, a quick passing game and utilizing and finding ways to run the quick screens to the outside where you can get the ball to the outside and understand that throwing the ball in that six to yards or less 
high percentage completions, getting the ball quickly to your playmakers on the outside. And I do believe they have those guys that can do some of those things in the passing game if you get the ball in and out of the quarterback's hands and get it out to them in a quick area where they can have some room to maneuver and utilize their talents for Lucas, for uh, McCauley, um, and uh, Cooper, and some of those guys outside there because I do believe not only that, but also in their tight ends, I think they have some guys that can make get the tough yards in the passing game if needed. I think they've shown that um, in that regard. So that's what I would expect from a Rod Carey-led offense overall when it comes to his uh, elevation to the offensive coordinator position. I think he'll work well with Coach Bobstead being a former offensive line guy. I think those two will be able to collaborate on what is needed up front. Um, They're going to have to evaluate personnel. They're going to have to do some things that um, really uh, takes into account who they have here uh, up front and who can help them now, including those that they may not think they were going to utilize this year. Normally, when you get into this part of the year, and you get to your bye week. The normal the normal routine on a bye week is uh, the vast majority of the coaching staff would be out recruiting, and you would have the g- g- uh, grad assistants, the offensive uh, quality control, defensive quality control coaches, the strength coach, the offense and defensive coordinators, and the head coach running practices during your bye week as the other coaches, positional coaches, would be out and recruiting, checking on commitments, checking on the next year's class, and evaluating talent uh, throughout the week. Most of those guys would have been gone Sunday night, some of them Monday Monday morning, out and about uh, from the recruiting standpoint. I don't necessarily think that's what Indiana will do. I think for the most part, they've got to take this week and really evaluate, self-scout, identify the problems, correct the problems, and then get their team back and going on practices Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and possibly Friday, Saturday for that matter, um, because they have got to get this thing rolling. And right now, worrying about those kids in the recruiting arena, um, not to say that, that it's not important, not to say that some guys can get out in local areas and get back. I think uh, you would see uh, Coach Allen keeping those guys at home and making sure that they're evaluating themselves, looking inwardly as a coach and thinking about what you can do better, how you can better assist your players or coach your players in some respects, having individual meetings with your players and listen to what they're saying, how they're feeling and get a a pretty good idea moving forward how you're going to coach your position on top of how you're going to correct the mistakes what you need to do do you need to scale back do you need to be more specific here do you need to understand that kids have to make sure that they understand their coverage responsibilities do you have to pull back in terms of your packages and not be too elaborate on defense offensively same thing 
What is it that's going to give your kids the most confidence heading into the rest of the season? Because you don't come out and come out and play some patsy in the Big Ten. You come right out and play Michigan in two weeks. And also Michigan's on a bye this week as well. So you're playing the team that's got the number one rush defense, the number fourth uh, fourth overall offense, and you're playing them up in Ann Arbor here in two weeks. So this week, outside of making a change, is going to be very important to the total program in terms of correcting execution mistakes, correcting coaching mistakes, correcting philosophical uh, mistakes and scale and if you need to to scale back to where you're at to get your kids playing quick and fa- or fast and uh, and aggressive on both sides of the ball and that they get confidence in doing it that's what they got to do because look they've got talent there especially on offense especially on the outside they've got some talent there that they can utilize they've got you know uh hopefully henderson can get back for them maybe some of the guys defensively that have been a little bit banged up they can get back and healed and back into the into playing time and they're going to have to look at some of the guys that they thought they were going to put on a shelf for a year and not utilize so they could redshirt them they're going to have to look at some of those guys because if there's some of those guys that are close to being on the field they need to find ways to get them on the field especially if they can help them uh at, at certain spots and 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 really grind it uh going forward and getting these kids up to speed and going but um defense I think it's a matter of correcting a few mis- things that they've lost here the last couple of weeks, especially in their coverage in their coverage schemes, and and correcting those mistakes because I think that's where their 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 best eleven players reside. Uh, so that defense has to be uh, a strong component of the football program to help the offense come along and get themselves in a position where they can get up to speed with the defense and get some momentum, get some things going, and start scoring some points because you're not going to win many games just scoring 20 points on average and and getting the rushing game going and then complement it with the passing game. It's not an easy task. It's got something that's going to – It's not. there's no silver bullet or magic wand that's going to immediately change – from last Saturday to your next couple of weeks when you play Michigan. This is going to be a progressional type of thing, and what it's going to have to happen is when they come back and play Rutgers at home, that's the game that they've got to find a W in. Uh, then they follow up with Penn State, and then as we go down the road, uh, they get into that latter part of the schedule where they've kind of gotten through the meat grinder a little bit. Not to say that's any it's any better uh, that last part of the season, but they're going to be in, in a position where they should uh, be in competitive ball games and find some wins going forward. They need four to get bowl eligible. Uh, while that is a, an important facet to the outside world in in that in that uh, locker room in that coaching staff room, it's maybe it's one day at a time. And how do we get better today and build upon it and 
get them ready to play some good football coming up here at Michigan and going going at it from there. Uh, that's going to be the the key component here for Indiana uh, over the next two weeks, and then we'll see where they lie out at at Michigan, looking for that incremental improvement and 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 moving the ball forward and getting themselves in a competitive. Uh, situation against other Big Ten teams uh, because right now over the last couple of weeks we've seen them take some step backwards on on both sides of the ball they've got to get that moving forward and then of course special teams has to be something that they come out of each week being the better team and winning winning that hidden yardage battle that we've talked about so much and they're going to have to probably be some uh, a little bit more aggressive with special teams as well uh to help help them along the way so next, both of being a bye week uh, Thursday, I'm looking to do some things with recruitment and where they're at with recruiting and the number of commitments that they have had and hopefully get somebody else to come on as well and give me that, give us that lowdown a little bit on this class that's coming up and see where they're at there as well as some future classes. And then we will look at Michigan a little bit next week, maybe some this week as I've got some game film that I'm in the process of breaking down uh, a couple of their games that they've already had this year, and we'll take a look and maybe see some things uh, that will prepare you as the as the viewer moving forward uh, to the next game with Michigan uh, in two weeks at a with a noon kickoff in Ann Arbor. Just a reminder here from BetOnline.ag: go there, you can get a fifth using the code uh, promo code believe you can get that fifty percent. Welcome bonus on your first uh, deposit. Also, you get the latest game odds, spreads, totals from all the NFL and college game are right at your uh, fingertips with the online's real-time updates and statistic news and odds. That's betonline.ag where the game starts. We thank them for being a supporter of the Hoosier football tailgate right here on the Believe Network. I'm the coach, Shannon Griffith. Thank you for joining me here tonight. We'll catch you Thursday here on the Believe Network. Hoosier football tailgate. Good night, everybody.